Welcome back to Bruin Success Presents 10 Careers You've Never Heard Of. I'm your host, Christian Chavez, and today I'm excited to chat with Tim Galati, librarian on the virtual library team at Oracle. Tim is responsible for data, user experience research, research services, and learning curation in his role at Oracle. Following his Bachelor of Arts and Master's in Library Science, both from UCLA, Tim served in corporate, academic, and nonprofit libraries. He also explored a career in theological leadership, received a Master of Divinity at Harvard Divinity School in 2018, and recently taught a course in community data at the UCLA iSchool. Welcome to Bruin Success, Tim. Really excited to chat with you and learn more about your background and your current work with Oracle. Thank you, Christian. Great to be here. Awesome. So my first question is uh, very straightforward. What is a Cybrarian and what are your responsibilities and priorities in this role with Oracle? Thanks, Christian. It's a great question. Cybrarian is a title that raises a lot of eyebrows. Uh, as it as well it should. It's it's a wonderfully interesting title. So it it comes out, cybrarian is essentially a fancy word, as you probably have guessed, as for a librarian, uh, which is one of my two degrees from UCLA. So in 2013, I received a Master of Library and Information Science at, at the iSchool at UCLA. And in a corporate setting, uh, there's a number of responsibilities that come with this role. Uh, we have a small team of uh, five people, and we manage all of the, or not all, but a vast um, a, a library of uh, learning and information materials that are available to all Oracle employees. So if employees want to upskill, grow their careers, um, also do market research, you know, information-related materials, we house a number of resources that provide that to employees. And we do a number of other things as well. Uh, we also do some user experience research for internal facing tools. We do uh, analytics work and a lot of data work and also uh, research services. So sort of like a, a reference desk inside the company, but more geared towards competitive intelligence, market intelligence, market research, these kinds of things. Uh, so we do both. We do this housing of learning and information materials and then provide services within the company. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, there's any one of these four areas and sometimes others that we'll be working in, in projects in with teams across Oracle. That's awesome. So it's it's a supportive space for the employees. You're providing not only resources for, for professional development, but you're you're also providing support for the job functions that the employees are um, working in. Yeah, that's exactly right, Christian. That's exactly right. So say, for example, if there's someone who wanted to upskill and learn Python, well, we have a lot of resources that are available uh, for that, but also soft skills or business skills, leadership, presentation, all of these things, how to, how to work remotely, um, all of these things are not just tools that we have, resources that we have, but we also curate this learning too. So if somebody has that idea, has that thought, I'd like to upskill in XYZ, well, we have a very um, you know, well-curated learning path, for example, let's say that you can check out and you can kind of go through and look at the resources that are available for that. So you know, we, we also partner with businesses too, lines of business and uh, organizations within the company who have specific strategic learning initiatives that they want to deploy and then they partner with us to, to make that happen. So it's really exciting. We get to be a part of that part of the career journey for a lot of people who are looking to 
you know, not just grow their current, their in their current role, but potentially grow their larger career and a trajectory and a place that they would like to explore. So it's, it's really thrilling. You get to work with people in, in great spaces. Yeah, I can imagine how fulfilling it must be and how exciting it can be to be that 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 person for these employees. And I'm sure you're learning a lot along the way as well as you curate all of these different um, learning paths. So that's that's really exciting stuff. You mentioned these uh, these different areas that you are focusing in within your work. Can you share a little bit about what a typical day in your role looks like? Yeah, yeah. Another great question, uh, Chris, Christian. It, it really, I would say, it. A lot of what comes up on a day-to-day basis are based on the current business needs. So you know where leadership is looking to, you know, to to. Um, to focus our, our particular efforts in the moment. We do have, of course, long-term strategic goals and, and strategic projects. But for example, today, a lot of what, um, you know, what I was working on today came up really in the flow of a lot of other uh, projects. So just this morning, I was working on a user experience research project, uh, a data project, and also a video project, a learning video project. And these are all things that are coming up just at the, it's at the end of Oracle's fiscal year. So there's a lot of uh, sort of like wrapping up on, on certain initiatives and projects that are coming up. And um, so it's, it's, it's a combination of both, I would say of dedicated time to specific things, but uh, I would say, you know, it, and the majority of it, maybe a little bit more than that, is is really what are the immediate needs, the immediate business needs of the organizations, and what kind of questions come up from from people who are looking to uh, learn or get the information and research to support their roles. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, to add on to that, are there any uh, common partners that you work with when you when these different projects come up? Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of the um, learning and, and strategic sort of um, upskilling initiatives, when we partner with organizations, we work with the HR business partners that are aligned to that organization. So we'll work usually with them directly and through them into as a pipeline into that organization because they have a, a great visibility and understanding of what the needs are from leadership and all the, on down the line. So that's, that, that's one group that we partner with across Oracle. We also uh, have partners with uh, the, they're called the workforce analytics team. So for data work, they're housed in HR and they essentially run a, a business intelligence platform for people analytics and other analytics that are HR related. So we do a lot of partnering with them for some of the analysis, the data analysis that we do to understand the impact of learning. So looking at our learning usage data and potentially blending that with other performance metrics to see how learning has impacted the organization. Uh, there are a number of other communities we partner with. The, the first that comes to mind really that we partner closest with is the communications team. And we have a fabulous communications team here and we do a lot of work with them, not just in, in our own learning and information and other um, areas, but we partner with them on other communications initiatives too. So. It's nice to have that pipeline and that visibility into the organization, and uh, they they're they've just been a fantastic strategic and um, uh, just a terrific partner to to be with. So those are those are three that come to mind right away. Yeah, they're they're all yeah great teams. They sound like great teams and um, interesting areas to partner with to increase the impact of the work that you're doing. So yeah, really exciting. I want to shift towards your um, your background now, generally. So you 
graduated from UCLA with your BA in the study of religion before going on to receive your Master of Library and Information Science also from UCLA and your Master of Divinity and Anthropology from Harvard Divinity School. In addition to your education, you have experience in a variety of roles, including creative services, search engine marketing, and user experience. Can you take us through your professional trajectory and share a little bit about what inspired you to pursue your current role as a librarian? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to say, I, you know, when I listen to these kinds of uh, talks that people give, I, 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 you know, it's it's funny. There's kind of two roads that we can go down, and I'll tell you which road I'll, I'll go down. There's there's the the role of or the the road of hindsight where it all makes sense later, right? Um, where it's perfectly curated on LinkedIn and there's a great story to tell, and that's that's wonderful, and and it all seems like it worked exactly as it was planned. Uh, and then there's the other road, which uh, which I'm going to take us down, which is to my mind a little more human. And I think it's nice to hear that you know there are others who wherever they are in their career have reached a certain place that you may feel is like, wow, how did they get there? And uh, just to say that there's you know there's there's a lot of anxiety potentially that comes up and life choices. and and so just to kind of so we can all be human on that level together, uh, I'll just take us down that road. So you can see the how the choice points came up and when they did. So uh, I came to UCLA as a transfer student. I had been working for 10 years in, as you mentioned, the search engine marketing uh, fields, and it was a small business. And what brought me to pursue an undergraduate degree later in life was there was a career choice point that I had. Um, and there was a fair degree of anxiety around it. it we worked, uh, our, our business was hotel reservations online, and it was all commission-based. And it was right at the time when mobile was coming along, and mobile technology was going to disrupt every, everything. So we weren't quite sure what our model was going to be. So my choice was, you know, do I keep going down this way, or do I potentially look for another path? And um, you know, it, 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 I, I went uh, to UCLA and was really thrilled that I did. And the, the thought there was I, you know, I got a BA, as you mentioned, uh, in the study of religion, which is not a typical program to go into, right? If you're looking for a career, um, study of religion, unless you're looking to be a person of the cloth is maybe not the first choice. But what I found right away was that because it was an interdisciplinary uh, uh, degree, I got to, you know, flex my writing skills, my, um, you know, some of my team, uh, teammate and, and team function skills, community building skills, things that, you know, I knew that I wanted to pursue, but also in a topic that was interesting to me. So I had wild ideas of maybe I'll go into publishing or um, travel from a certain perspective, you know, the, these kinds of things. So I didn't have a true career path when I was when I decided to go, and and when while I was there, I was struggling to figure out what that was, and really wondering had I made the right choice? Um, should I have stuck with search engine marketing, and maybe mobile would have panned out? But I didn't really know at the time. And what led me then to a year later, after I graduated, to pursue the library science degree, it was first an encounter I had as an undergraduate with a librarian that was going to school in the program, the master's program there. And I was just blown away by what she was able to do. And, and I was like, okay, well, that's a profession. I can get my hands around that. So I think I'll professionalize. 
And it also had a component of user experience research. Like that was also a part of the iSchool education. And so um, I felt the need to professionalize that. And, and I did. And the first job that I got out of library, uh, the library science program was from an internship that I had at Qualcomm. So I interned there, I did a project that got some visibility and they hired me on uh, full time. So while I was in my second year of the master's program, I had been hired on. And so I was commuting to San Diego from LA a couple of times, yeah, a couple of times a, a month and you know, worked through that and, and did it. Uh, and then, so then for a couple of years, I was in the, the, the library at Qualcomm, which is a semiconductor company in San Diego had a wonderful time there, but I was um, looking for something also where I, while I was in library school, I was considering theological librarianship as well. And I had uh, a wonderful advisor, Professor Dr. Johanna Drucker, who I, I went to her one day because I was a little troubled about this, these two different works. They seemed to me two very different spaces to be holding. One was I was interested in technology, but I was also interested in this other theological librarian space or being a, a, a subject of subject specialist as a librarian in the study of religion. And I was like, I, I can't, you know, what should I do? I have both of these interests. She said, why not just do both? Go for both, see how that goes, you know? And it was just like a light that went off for me. It was, it was no longer a distinction to be made. It was, they were both interests of mine. So, while I was at Qualcomm, I held that, you know, being in a corporate space, and that that really uh, resonated with me. Uh, but I, I was also thinking about, well, you know, this whole other area of of interest for me, um, in terms of how how does technology meet some of the um, you know potential more human and spiritual dimensions? And this was something that was a question that I had had in library school, and and took to Qualcomm. And then I said, you know, I, I have both of these interests in theological librarianship and here, and, you know, what's the intersection of uh, spirituality and technology. And that's when the divinity school came into play. So it was another sort of leap of faith. And I, I, I only share this uh, on occasion that actually divinity school was my third choice of, of three <laughs> of what I was going to do next. It was, um, you know, I, I had, was you know thinking of leaving my uh, my role at, at Qualcomm, and I was either thinking of another position, another role. I also had an opportunity at a startup that I was thinking of of joining, uh, but ultimately the Divinity School ruled out because of the opportunities that it presented. It was in um, Cambridge, which is a hub for technology with MIT um, law. You know a lot of intersections, a lot of intellectual happenings on the scene there. So uh, when I when I got there, I I didn't again. I was I was a little lost, but I did uh, get to have um, one of the one of the things that I had uh, decided for myself was while I'm in divinity school, I'm going to work as a theological librarian to test out that that uh, that career field and see how it fit. So I was working in the Andover Theological Library while I was getting my divinity degree, and it was a wonderful experience. I I, I could not have asked for a better way to to shop that career and see what that field looked like. And I was able to go to uh, the conferences, the ATLA, which is the American Theological Library Association. I got 
involved with them and went to their conferences, uh, built up still a wonderful network of fantastic librarians in that field. Uh, and then while I was there, I was also looking at that other space that I mentioned through uh, design labs at MIT and some of the work that was being done at Harvard. And so I was able to work with both. And I ultimately came out with, when it came to the theological librarian side, for me, a personal choice was that it was a field that was shrinking by the day, you know, more or less, because just like, as we know, religion is, you know, on the, in, in, uh, membership in you know traditional religious organizations is on the decline and so hence of course are the seminaries and the the universities and the the schools within universities those are going away and the libraries that support them so it's it's in the middle midst of a you know sort of a reckoning in that sense where they're they're trying to figure out what's the next stage of theological librarianship so i i i decided well maybe that's not you know the way for me but the other piece you know, in terms of nonprofits and and looking at that and from the technology space, I got very uh, interested in it, and then made the focus of my thesis uh, experiences of quiet in nature and meditation, and how technologies can uh, potentially support that. And so that was my you know that was the the thrust the thrust of what I did. And then on leaving uh, or graduating from the Divinity School, I helped form a nonprofit following that and uh, called Quiet Parks International. And it's still going on. And I was doing essentially the research librarian role there. So I was working with data and research services and helping to you know grow the organization from that perspective and from an education perspective too. Uh, and then as, from there, it, it became, this was a wonderful, um, a wonderful organization to support, but I, I needed a salary, <laughs> I, you know, I needed a, I needed a salary and, uh, we weren't at that point. The organization wasn't at that point. And so, you know, where I, how I ended up at Oracle was a former colleague from Qualcomm was on this team at Oracle. And I had known through, you know, uh, over the years, just because it's a, a small circle, uh, the, the leader of the team, the man, my current manager, and was thrilled when this role came up. So I applied and, and jumped on it right away and then was lucky enough to be able to join the team. So that's my, you know, my, that's, that's, that's about 10 or 15 years I just uh, talked about. That's why it's, you know, a few minutes there. But, but to say that, you know, just to, you know, sort of level the playing field, each of those choice points had a fair degree of anxiety and uncertainty. I never was sure in the moment if I had made the right choice. Um, there are times when I felt like I had, and there are times when I had questioned what, you know, what, why I ended up where I ended up and did my best to make, you know, make what I could of the, the situation. So, you know, the, the other way to talk about that is to say that it's fully formed and beautifully curated all the way through, but it was, you know, there were definite moments of that were trying and very difficult. So I would encourage anyone out there who's listening to this, who's, whether you're trying to make a career change or land your first job, and you're listening to somebody who is in a role that sounds great, it took a lot to get there. And it, it's not necessarily something that they snap their fingers and it happens exactly, you know, they're not filling in all the gaps. So you might not see all the pressures and the stresses and the challenges, um, but they're there. Uh, they're there for all of us. So I encourage and really want to support everyone who's out there, who's going through that. It, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult process. I, I, I feel like job 
searching and and the whole job process is probably one of the least human <laughs> processes we have. So um, be kind to yourself. It's it it is a struggle. Yeah, definitely, and especially now with everything that we've been dealing with over the past year, it's kind of enhanced those anxieties. So um, yeah, I definitely agree and. Just want to thank you for taking this more human route because it's so much more valuable and i think it it means a lot to uh i mean it means a lot to me to hear you know each 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 step and the pauses and anxieties that you were experiencing because it's it's meaningful for the students and alumni who may be experiencing something similar um something else that uh really stood out to me was um each time you described you know this next step that you're planning on taking um, one of the, you know, reasons you were motivated to take those steps was just to experience something new and try something out. You weren't really sure whether or not it was the right choice or if it was going to work out, but you needed to try it. And, um, you didn't know where it might take you, but you've got to where you are now. So it, it, you know, when you do, when you do look at it, it seems very like fleshed out and like it worked out really well, but, um, it is again good to hear those those feelings that you you had along the way. So thank you. Moving on, do you have any recommendations for students and alumni who might be interested in roles that bridge data research and learning curation? Yeah. Uh, so depending on the the route that you're interested in, because each of these could very much be a uh, you know a siloed individual specialty role a user researcher uh, a data analyst a data manager you know whatever the case is you know my suggestion is do what you can to develop a portfolio and the way the the best way i see to do that that i've seen over the years is if you can find a mentor who's willing to work on projects with you and help you develop this, this cachet of work that you can point to, that is, that is worth your weight in gold. Uh, you know, there's a lot of focus on being able to have the right skills and, you know, some, and that's important. But ultimately, in the end, there's a big difference between, say, you know, taking a LinkedIn learning class on Excel pivot tables and being able to do that beautifully and a but then being able to apply it in your role, right? Like we've, we've all had that, that, you know, or some of us have had that experience where maybe I took that programming class and I can perfectly do that exercise. But when it comes time for me to make that SQL statement to get the data, like I can't, I, I, there's things that are missing for me and, uh, you know, or for whoever's trying it. And, and so project-based project based learning with a mentor and having that portfolio is, is, I, 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 it's worth its weight in gold. And I would really recommend if you're able to form those relationships and build that portfolio to focus your energy there. Definitely. Can you share, um, share how you've connected with some of the mentors in your career over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have a Python mentor and I met him at Oracle. Uh, he had a passion for Python and for and for and for uh, mentoring people in it. So it was an internal connection that now he's since left Oracle and he's now has a business mentoring actually uh, as a Python mentor. So I continued that relationship with him. Um, another is when I was while I was at Qualcomm as an intern, I just reached out to the user experience team and said, 
you know, I'm interested in this project and I see that you have a lab there. Would you, you know, could we have a chat about this project I'm thinking about? And the director, the senior director was absolutely inviting and very open. We had a conversation and they ended up hosting our study that summer. So, uh, you know, ultimately, now that I reflect it, it's, it's just reaching out and the, the people who are going to be, you know, who have the appetite to be mentors for you, they'll be responsive. And the ones that for whatever reason do not, or, you know, or, or just, it just doesn't gel, that's okay. It, it just wasn't, this wasn't the right fit for whatever reason. They're, they're busy, they, they're not interested, whatever the reason, but the cream rises to the top. So, you know, as you, as you, as you put yourself out there. So that would be, you know, the recommendation. I think internally in company, you know, the companies that you're in, there's, there's uh, people like to help. So, you know, uh, take advantage of that. And um, the other piece that I'll offer too is, I, I forgot to mention that I actually uh, taught a course in, in the iSchool uh, just this winter. So I, it's the first time I taught and I had a wonderful experience. I love being an educator and giving back to the program. And one of the things that somebody shared with me that I'll, I'll share with um, you know, this audience is there was someone who was um, sort of just giving an informational interview to a student and then uh, offered to that student, uh, if you, you know, join, join my, you know, if we connect on LinkedIn, look through all my contacts and pick two and I'll connect you with those two. And so, you know, as, as an opportunity to, you know, if you're not in an, in an organization, uh, as a way to find those bridges out there to connect to to people that are maybe not in it directly, but maybe two steps outside of your network and find, find ways to leverage that sort of wider, uh, you know, you know, the wider availability, the wider world that's out there. So, um, you know, think, think from that perspective too. And, and then I, I say this too, your network is for life. So don't think of it as just your next job. While you're making, you're building this network, think of it long-term and uh, that might help whet the appetite to, to pursue that kind of networking. Yeah, so much great advice in there. There are so many alumni out there that are willing to help. Also, I want to yeah reiterate that you shouldn't feel discouraged if you don't hear back. If you don't hear back, just move on. There, again, are so many people out there and um, you never know what you know one or two connections could do for um, your career in a year or 10 years down the line. Like Tim said, it's, it's really important to look at your network as a lifelong thing. So thank you for that advice. Really great. Moving on to our final question, um, we like to wrap things up on um, what success means to um, our guests. And so for you, how have you learned to define success um, in your professional life? Gosh, I'm going to give you the answer I'm thinking of in this moment. And I think it's a practice that I have uh, that, that it, it, it helps me, help, it helps ground me in my career and where I'm at. And it really ends up being, I check in at the end of the day and how am I feeling? Am I stressed? Am I unhappy? Am I happy? You know, am I enjoying what I did? Did, what was the experience of the day? And you know, it, if it becomes a point where there are changes that have to be made, that reflection is where it begin that, that those sort of 
those sort of cues begin to rise to the surface. And um, you know, oftentimes that can be something that you can fix in the day-to-day -day or work on the day-to-day. -day. It could be a conversation with your manager. It could be something that you need to upskill in. It could be a relationship in your organization that you'd like to uh, pursue or in some way, you know, just uh, make better or, or whatever it is. Um, but sometimes it's, it's a little more than that. And that's where these points of inflection that we sort of talked about earlier might come. And, you know, those, those manifest and rise and kind of stay with you a little longer. Whereas if, if there's anything, if there are any course corrections day to day, you can kind of check in. Um, and I found that if, if I do that, it actually provides a little bit more space and it, and resolution. And I don't carry the challenges around a little bit more. And then I'm able to enjoy the wins more too, because, you know, those are really wonderful. And sometimes those can get masked over if, if there's other things that are lingering. So I would define success ultimately as you know, just this perpetual um, check-in and, and a perpetual state of feeling really good about what you're doing <laughs> and having a sense of accomplishment and, and just feeling like you're, you're, you're contributing and you're being acknowledged for that and, and you're feeling it. And that self-acknowledgement too. Um, I, I think that would be, that would be it more than any project that I finished or, you know, thing that promotion that has come or raise or, you know, some kind of acknowledgement, those are wonderful, but I think ultimately it's that sort of consistent self-observation that has, has helped to find success for me. Definitely. I've learned so much, you know, in this, in this position, getting the opportunity to talk to different people from very different diverse backgrounds. And this is, uh, this is one of the approaches to success that I appreciate the most, um, that success isn't a specific point in time um, or completing a specific project or reaching a certain role. It's this ongoing feeling that you, you know, need to work on on a daily basis. So I really appreciate that answer and just wanna share that it really resonates with me as well. So that wraps up our interview. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Your work and field is super interesting and um, I'm really glad we got to get a little peek into the path that you took to get to this point. So I'm really excited to share it with the Bruin community as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Christian. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Tim Galati, librarian at Oracle. You can learn more about Tim in the description of the podcast. Follow UCLA Alumni Career Engagement on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin Success. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, and share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we're chatting with another inspiring Bruin. This podcast was made possible by UCLA Alumni.